We're going back to the book of Acts, to the beginning of the church, the church as the hope of the world. And we're looking at the movement of God from a few unqualified fishermen called of God to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, not to be admirers, but to be imitators, to join in the work of God and, and to sit in the presence of, of God the Son, Jesus Christ, throughout a three-year period to learn from Him, to soak up His presence and His vision, and then to do what He did for the rest of their lives. And Jesus said in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me to this world, I'm sending you. You may think you're not enough. You may think you're not qualified. You may think uh, that, that you have other priorities in life, but, but the call of God is on your life. And nothing matters more than Jesus and eternity. And so there's this transformation of these 12 whittled down to 11 in the scattered fear of the crucifixion where everybody ran for cover and only uh, a, a few women and one disciple stood at the cross watching Jesus be mocked. The movement of Jesus seemed to be at a complete dead end. It all seemed to be over, epitomized in the words we read last week on the Emmaus Road. And we had hoped. And out of that fallen hope and out of that disappointment, Something happened, something new began in the book of Acts. And what God did then, God can do now, wants to do now, will do now in the lives of everyone who simply believes like a child. And so the book of Acts begins as Luke, the running contender for the author, says this. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. And after giving instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, and after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. I would say that's an understatement. When you are, when you are huddled in a locked room, fear of being arrested by the, the authorities, and suddenly Jesus walks through the wall and, uh, and eats fish with you and allows Thomas to put his fingers in, uh, you know, the, the wounds of his hands, I would say that's one pretty convincing proof. And for 40 days, Jesus did this on earth. He appeared to them and spoke about the kingdom of God. This is what he always did. He was always about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion while he's eating with him, Acts 1 verse 4, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait and that's what I want to focus on today. The but wait. These two words which symbolized, which, which triggered, which represented this radical transformation from a defeated few to a world-changing force. But wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. But John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We move forward to Acts 2, jumping over. We're going to go back, but jumping ahead so that I can put in context what we're talking about. The Spirit says at Pentecost. Now, it's funny. I'm still learning new things all the time. You know, again, I, I'm, I'm just a regular human being like you, filled with flaws and faults. And, and, and I'm, I'm learning at the feet of, of Jesus all the time. And, and I was... I was preparing for the sermon and I had wrongly remembered, you know, in my mind, Pentecost was like it was 40 days from the crucifixion of Jesus till Pentecost. 
but it wasn't. It was 50 days. 40 days was from uh, the, the resurrection until the ascension of Jesus, till he was taken up in heaven. And then there was 10 days when, and those 40 days, Jesus is, is interacting with people, revealing himself to people, showing him that he's alive, that, that this God story is true, that, that love did come down and, and sacrifice itself for the salvation of the world, that every word he ever said is true. And then for 10 days after he ascended was radio silence. And then this happened. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now this is extraordinary. <laughs> this doesn't happen every day. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in, in other tongues, other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, a crowd came in bewilderment, but each one heard their own language being spoken. And I'm not about to get into all the controversy about, you know, that, that, that Christians um, have about speaking in tongues, you know, lessons in missing the point in the scriptures here that the, this gift was for translation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. These guys came out anointed by the Spirit of God, convinced of the truth of their resurrected Savior. They spoke the gospel and everybody heard it in their own language. And people recognized, wait, how is it, like I'm hearing this in French, how is it that I'm hearing this in German, how is it that I'm understanding what you're saying? And because it was the work of God to launch the movement of Jesus. And so we move back here to, to this you know, this period to where, where Jesus tells them to wait. On one occasion, Jesus told them to wait. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised. And I want to just focus today on that phrase, wait for the gift. Because the reality is, there is a time when doing nothing is everything. And most of us are terrible waiters. Most of us... Are, are at the point to where when, when we are called on to wait, we won't. Because this doesn't fit our theology. We're going to do something. We're going to fix something. We're going to say something. We're going to fear something. We're going to, 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 to act in some form or fashion for God before God has spoken for himself. And it is a drastic mistake. Throughout the Old Testament, time and time again, Israel gets into trouble. And, and it's like, oh, oh my, my God, what shall we do? And, and, but they don't really wait for an answer. And then they go make alliances with Egypt and, and everything collapses. Or they'll run off and, and start worshiping idols and everything collapses. I mean, time and time again, this lack of waiting leads to disaster. So a crisis happens in your life and you just take the next job without even praying at it and that job's a disaster too. Coulda, shoulda waited. You marry the first guy who comes along that says you're cute. You, uh, ouch, I'm sorry. You know. <laughs> That's a cheap shot, I'm sorry. It is true. <laughs> Many times I have dealt. There's a time when doing nothing is everything. And I want to lead us as a church into the spiritual discipline of waiting on God. 
of doing nothing until God does something, of not filling in the blanks with the, the negative, of not filling in the blanks with criticism, of not filling in the blanks with fear or discouragement, but simply to learn the spiritual discipline and practice of waiting on the Lord as the scripture tells us to wait on the Lord in hope and in faith. You see, waiting is the mystery of letting God open doors. That's what it is. It is a mystery. You're not going to understand everything. I don't understand everything. Uh, we are all alive in a mystery. And waiting is, 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 is this mystery of, of letting God open doors when it seems like no doors are possible. Let's look at the journey of the disciples as they watch their Savior, their Messiah. But we had hoped that he would be the one to, to liberate Israel. And we, we watched him get nailed. And not only, not only nailed, but humiliated. And everything that he stood for, we stood for, mocked as he bled out. And all of this came to a bloody dead end. We're done. There's no way forward. Remember the words of the angel afterwards? Did he not say three days? And then they remembered. You know what Jesus was saying? Wait for it. <laughs> Wait for it. It's coming. And, 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 and so Revelation 3.8 talks to us about, you know, the scripture says, I have set before you an open door which no man can shut. This isn't the promise of earthly riches that the TV preachers, you know, offer you. It is the promise of God that in the love of Jesus Christ, that he has opened the doors of all of life to us and all of eternity, endless. And no one on earth, including hell itself, can shut those doors. So there is never a time that we need to lie down and give up. There is never a time that we need to look at the cross and say, oh, we are done for. It is over. We have been abandoned. Wait for it. Wait for it. Psalm 27, 14 says this. This was a, a, a verse during a, you know, I, I, you know, a, a long, lonely academic stretch um, in which it was just hard. Again, I, I have, um, you know, ADD. And, um, and, and imagine the humor of God putting me eight hours a day in a, in a you know, doctoral study carol uh, to research stuff. It's like every 10 minutes squirrel, you know, and, 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 and I'm at it 15 minutes and, and squirrel. And I came across this verse for the first time seriously in my life and it, and it, and it began to change my life. It's still changing my life. I'm still learning it. And here it is. And for those of you who can't say, say that you can't memorize scripture, I'm giving you a scripture that's got the same phrase twice. So you got half the memorization to do. And for the same price. No extra charge. Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. This word translated wait is, a, is an imperative. It is a command of something that we are to learn to do in our life. Instead of giving up hope, instead of throwing up our hands, instead of coming up with our own solutions and taking pre-God actions, no, do nothing until God does something. Wait till you hear from God. But you do not wait in discouragement and defeat. This verse, this word rather, is also synonymous with hope. And so in the, in the Brown Driver Briggs Hebrew Dictionary, the, the translation is essentially wait hope. 
It's both of those. So wait for the Lord. How do I wait? Ah, woe is me. It's hard, so you don't love me, God. No, that doesn't sound like Jesus. <laughs> Be strong, the scripture says. Be strong. Take heart. You have strength inside of you that you do not know of. It's the Holy Spirit that came at Pentecost. And this one-time event is not to be an event that we chase. God never does any, anything the same way twice. Do you understand that about Jesus? He never healed anybody the same way twice. One time he, he, he walks up and he touches somebody's eyes and they can see. Another time he, he spits in their face. Another time he spits on the ground, makes mud and slaps it in their eye. Well, that's different. So, so the point of Pentecost is not that we look around and sit in a room and waiting for, for the Spirit of God to physically manifest itself you know, in the same way. It is a, it is a, a statement, a painting, a portrait, uh, an exclamation point above the church to say, my Spirit is on you. And I am with you. And what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to go out and tell. That's people whose lives have been changed by the love of God. We now overflow with that love. And, and we go out and we, we tell the, the Jesus story with confidence. So be strong. Take heart. I love the word take because, you know, sometimes you got to do just exactly that. It ain't, it ain't coming to you by your feelings. You sit there in your feelings and, and they're just a downward spiral. But you make a choice. You look at the scriptures. You begin to believe the word of God. And, and, and you hear the Lord say, wait for me. It's coming. Wait for it. But God, I can't see. Remember the cross? Wait for it. Be strong. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. A supernatural strength that is endless, inexhaustible. That, that you don't have to manufacture. You know what? I don't deserve the love of God. I don't deserve the Spirit of God. Blah, 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 blah. Stop listening to what Satan says you deserve. And start listening to what God says you've been given. You have been given the kingdom, <laughs> Jesus said. You have been given the heart of God, uncritical, uh, all of our sin and shame nailed to the cross. You have been given the sonship and the daughterhood of a doting father, uh, of, of a loving father who's only looking out for your best interests. And oh, if you didn't hear it at the first part of the verse, what I want you to do after you've heard me say what I'm saying is I want you to wait for the Lord. So there it is. Guys, I want to say to you, this is not theory for me right now. It, it really never has been in, in my life. Um, but it's not theory for me right now. A few weeks ago, we made a, a trip to the ER for Marsha. And it's hard these days because, like, you can't go with, right? <laughs> so I drop her off at the ER and, and, and she's discharged that night with, uh, with medication and a, and a, and a uh, you know, a, a call to, to go see a, a specialist and... And we can't get a specialist for weeks and weeks and weeks. And so her doctors call around and find one in, in D.C. So we're in D.C. And the next thing we know, we're dealing with either pancreatic cancer or lymphoma. And, and we still don't know. First procedure they, they did to, to just uh, put in a stent and give her some relief from the pain. Um, well, you'll know something in two or three days. Two or three days later, we don't know anything. 
schedule a biopsy. You'll know something in three to five days, eight days later. We're still waiting. And at a certain point, I guess I, I, I just simply said, God, well, here's my prayer. I need to know. And then my next word was, I guess I don't. <laughs> I need to wait on you. And I need to know that you don't do bad things. Can you say that with me? God doesn't do bad things. Waiting is the mystery of letting God open doors. God does hard things and asks us to do hard things. I think the cross would qualify as a hard thing. Would you agree? How many of us have accused God of doing something bad in our life when it was simply hard? And we forgot that that our God is the God of the open door. We forgot that there is a, a, a time lapse between his promise and, and, the, and the fulfillment. Have we forgotten that we are called in faith to stand with him and that he is with us during these times? He doesn't do bad things. First biopsy, three to five days. Finally on day eight, we hear something it's indeterminate, so we're going to do another biopsy. Okay, that was last Tuesday. We'll know something by Friday. I think today's Sunday. We're still waiting. We're not waiting in fear. We're waiting in hope. We don't dictate outcomes to God. We let God glorify himself. And there is a beautiful story that I absolutely love in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If you, you need to open your life up to the Old Testament and, and just to, the New Testament gives us the face of God in Christ. The Old Testament gives us the panorama of the character of God in and over human history. It's beautiful. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat the king is, is being attacked by just like everybody. It's a bad day in, in, uh, in, in you know, in, in for the people of God. The Moabites, the Ammonites, some of the Munites, all, they all came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. And so people came and told him, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. And it's already near in En Gedi. And what did Jehoshaphat do? He waited on the Lord. Unlike most of the other kings of Israel, who immediately started making their own plans and their own formulations and figuring stuff out in their own little heads. Do you remember the scripture says, do not lean on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do you remember the, the words of God in Isaiah, which says, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above yours and my thoughts above your thoughts. And so Jehoshaphat does something unusual and revolutionary for the people of God in the Old Testament. He seeks the Lord and the people of God wait on, on, on the Lord. And so, you know, these armies keep marching closer everything is closing around death looks imminent defeat looks you know like it's on the horizon uh you know some people are, are are panicking but in verse 12 here is one of the most beautiful waiting scriptures that i i can share with you and here's what jehoshaphat prays god will you not judge them 
For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's the posture and the spiritual discipline of waiting on the Lord. It's the time when doing nothing is everything. It's the mystery of letting God open the doors that will be to his glory, not to yours. It's the call of, of us to join in the story of God on every page in, in Scripture and to look in Scripture and to say, was there ever a time when anybody trusted God and it turned out poorly for them? No. We don't know what to do, but we're not fearing out. We're not caving in. We're not giving up. We're not lying down defeated. We're not looking at our circumstances. We're not rationally figuring all this equation out in our own heads so that we can solve it. Our eyes are on you. Perfectly mirrored and echoed in the New Testament, Hebrews 12, 1 through 4, fix your eyes on Jesus the author, the story writer, and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy before him did not Jesus do waiting as the soldiers slapped him in the Praetorian Guard? Did not Jesus have to wait for a seeming eternity between every lash of the whip on his back? Not too long ago, I just sat there and counted 39 with a, a pause, because they didn't do this quickly. They wanted it to hurt. They wanted this to be a, a deterrent and an act of humiliating suffering as they stripped someone naked and they laid the lash upon their back. One. Two. Three. And between every blow uh, on Jesus' face, between every lash of the whip on his back, Jesus waited on the Lord. God asked him to do a hard, hard thing. But he knew the open door in front of him. He knew the glory that God would gain through a surrendered life. And so he waited. He was strong. His heart was secure in the Father. There's so many verses. I just will we'll close with this as the worship team comes. There's so many verses that, I, that are waiting on the Lord verses. All of the theology of refuge in the Old Testament, you know, of taking refuge. All of these scriptures are waiting scriptures. But Patrice just shared with me Psalms Chapter 40, verses 1 and following. I waited patiently for the Lord. And as she was sharing this with me, she just was marveling at this next part. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me. God doesn't ignore you. If, if you're any kind of a human parent, you have never ignored the painful cry of your child. How much more our Heavenly Father has heard 
every cry of your heart, every whispered agony of, of, of your pain down deep inside, some that you've never even vocalized to others. He's turned towards you. And he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. You can be so down and so defeated and so alone and, and so hopeless that you forget there really is a God. And he really does save. And everything he did, he does. And who he was, he is. And if you call on the name of the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. He is the God of the open door. And calling on the Lord is, is the time when doing nothing is everything. And you know that, that this mystery of, of the hard before the glory is just a time when God is with you. And, 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 and showing himself to you and working out his purposes. And so he lifted me out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. Your foot will not slip. You will not fail. Satan's fundamental lie behind every fear in your life is this. I can destroy you if, and you fill in the blank. I'm serious. You, you want 41 years of insight? There it is. Every fear you have in your life is some form of Satan's lie saying this, I can destroy you if. Now he couches it because he doesn't want you to recognize it's him talking to you, but that's it. The trouble is it's a lie. He can't destroy you. He tried that on Jesus, had that work for him. He gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. And, and, and the result of our standing strong in our seasons of waiting, in our hurting in the hard, is that other people will see and fear him and put their trust in the Lord. When my friend Dean died 12 years ago, worship pastor who I stood on the stage with for years of pancreatic cancer. About three quarters halfway through his journey and I tr tried to walk with him through, through every bit of I could. Went to, to chemo with him and, and uh, every surgery and everything I could because my, my view on this was no regrets. <laughs> You're, we're doing this for Jesus and no regrets and, and we didn't have any. And he said to me at one point, I don't even remember where we were, some medical place, but he said to me, he said, you know, Drew, he said, maybe this isn't about me. Maybe this is for God and his glory, and maybe he's just simply using my journey to help other people see his love. I cried then, I cry now, because it's exactly what the scripture talks about, and it isn't what Jesus lived. What is your time of waiting? What seems hopeless to you right now? Have you given in to, to Satan's lies that you're abandoned, forgotten, unheard, that God doesn't care, that you're alone, that there's no hope? What a liar he is. What a liar he is. Waiting, it's just the mystery. Painful, hard, but not bad, of God's open door. An open door to His glory and His work in the world. And as the scripture says, other people coming to know Jesus through your faith, through your strong heart.
through your courage. So Church of Seven Run, we have a restart to do. And we can simply look up and say, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't have to. Our eyes are on you. I didn't need us to say the end of that story is they win. <laughs> all those enemies, all those vast armies, they turned on each other and destroyed each other and it took them three days to, to gather up all the riches of, of their enemies. Pretty convincing story end. Yours is gonna end the same way. Wait for it. Wait for it. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'd help every one of us here wait for it. For the glory of your open door, for the goodness of your love. Father, for, for your spirit to put our feet on solid ground and use our lives and stories to help other, other people find and follow Jesus as well. I'm asking in these moments, Father, that, that everyone here who's hurting, in the dark, feels alone, in pain, whose faith is down, I, I'm praying today that they, would, that they would choose to hear your word and join the waiting that leads to glory. In Jesus' resurrected name, amen. You may want to join here for prayer. You may want to kneel where you are uh, as, as the rest of you stand. Some of you may just want to sit and pray. Whatever you need to do to spend time with God, you do it.